listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. I've got a real treat for you guys listening at home with uh, an expert in numerous fields of music education. Someone I first met at Tim Topham's Piano Pivot event, which was a fantastic event way back in 2020, and someone who, despite being a piano teacher, is going to share a wealth of knowledge on topics of musical education, on music business, and share all the wonderful things that he's doing. So, Paul Might, welcome to the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. G'day, Michael, and thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you and you know, ever since day one when I met you at Piano Pivot, you could just feel the energy coming off you and your passion for teaching and musical education and I've obviously learned a lot from you um, even though, again, you're a piano teacher but that demonstration you did on full body learning had a whole room of over 200 music teachers just absolutely captivated and was probably the highlight of the event for many people, I'm sure. And learning about what you're doing with your brand, Forte Music, with your publishing company, Easy Learn, uh, and your piano teaching success, where actually coach piano teachers. You're obviously uh, an expert in many fields and can help our guitar teachers and listeners at home, I'm sure. Oh, thank you. I hope so. <laughs> can you give our listeners a brief overview of your story so far and how you've kind of gone from a, a regular piano teacher to owning, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say a chain, but taking your brand to music schools all over Australia and even New Zealand? and also the development and transition to online coaching and helping other teachers around the world. So, I'm the co-founder of Piano Teaching Success and Forte School of Music. We help teachers engage and motivate students by coaching them through the whole body learning approach, teaching success guides and backing tracks so that we can help teachers accelerate their teaching success and get student achievement and engagement, which means students stay longer helping teachers to earn more and facilitate the growth that they want to see in their studios. And whether that student, that's student achievement or progress or more students or both. So, I started a music school, or actually I bought a music school in 1989, last century. That was a long time ago. <laughs> and so, we've had Forte now since 1994, which is 29 years. and we now have music schools in Australia, New Zealand, the UK, the US, uh, Canada, and South Africa. So, we've got over uh, 8,000 students in our network. So, it's, it's been busy over that time. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's been brilliant. So, I've been fortunate enough to have the opportunity working and presenting to teachers um, about whole body learning and for all, all that time and I suppose I really honed my ability to facilitate with teachers through um, my offshore work training, uh, Delcros and Kadai training and um, 
my orchestral and band playing because I wasn't always a pianist. I was actually a French horn player when I went to university. Um, so I have a lot of experience in lots of different styles of music and also different um, genres and uh, like different instruments as well. That's amazing. Uh, and just to get to the sheer scope of what you're doing and how many people you're affecting is absolutely amazing. I know as we as music teachers always are trying to have an impact on our student and on our broader local community, but just take it to a level where you have where you're helping teachers and uh, you've got your own students, of course, and I, I jokingly say grand students, just like you're teaching people through your own teachers uh, below you and and then it becoming almost a, a worldwide movement, it sounds like, with Forte. So absolutely amazing stuff there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so obviously, Forte, from what I've seen on your website and some of the uh, online training videos and demonstrations and things we've we've uh, shared with each other, it looks like an amazing place to learn. How did you go about building your brand and, and setting up Forte in the way that it is? I suppose one of the things that you really want to have is a goal and a purpose. And our purpose is to really help students love music and love playing music and to take their music into adulthood. And so when we think about children and we we're building them up layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. You know, I had a class of students that I was teaching. Um, I still teach about 50 kids a week in class. My class last night that I was teaching, these kids are 14 and 15 and they're doing their grade 8 piano. They have great skills. But we were doing some amazing um, arrangements and improvisations and things that they would be learning at high school in high school music. They're going into year 10, year 11 and 12. But their skills are amazing because it's been layered for so many years. So they can play from a chord chart, they can play from sheet music, they can sing and play, all those things, and they all come together. But you have to build them up over the years. And what's so exciting is when you've had them for that long, and in fact some of them I've had since they were like, 18 months old, <laughs> so they, they have been layered with music. And one of, the, one of the kids in the class is actually sings, has sung with the Australian Opera and is at the Conservatorium High School. So they have really great skills, but it's that foundation that's given them the, their background. And so having that purpose of really developing skills can really, really um, build your business forward. That sounds Really, really amazing. And there's so many things I could pull out of there. You mentioned that you have some kids from 18 months old. So you're obviously starting the learning process really, really early, if I heard that one correctly. Yes, we have a, a program called Jungle Music at Forte, which is for eight, uh, well, from six months through to three and a half year olds. And it's a general music appreciation course, early childhood music. All of the research says that if we start children from a young age, um, it's going to benefit them. One of the big parts of research that has come out recently is that children at three years old, if they cannot hold a beat at the age of five and six, they're 80% more likely to be unable to read. That is how important music is to children's learning. So it's really, really important to develop those beat and rhythmic senses from such a young age. And that's the, that's the whole foundation of musical development. And then we can merge into other areas from there. 
Yeah, really, really amazing stuff and, and alarming statistics, I'm sure, for many of our listeners. So I would also you know, deviate from some of the things we said we talk about, but the importance of musical education and how do you go about planting the seed with parents that this is going to be a journey that's going to take a lot of years? Because I think a lot of uh, teachers get frustrated because parents will often withdraw their kids out of lessons you know, after six months. Why doesn't my child play this after six months of lessons? Um, so how do you go about setting expectations with parents and, and nurturing this long-term relationship over, over decades? It's a communication strategy. You need to be doing it all the time and through newsletters and talking to parents. So developing uh, their understanding of the importance of music education. I always find one of the one of the things that they really are concerned about is my child's not learning to read the music. It's like we don't play music to be able to read it. It's that's a tool in our toolbox, and it's whilst reading is important and it's critical to learning, it shouldn't be the first thing. Um, the process that we try to use in all of our lessons is listen sing, play, read, write. And it's the same process that we use language, that we learn language in. So we don't hold up a, a, a parents don't hold up a card to their children um, to learn to read uh, or to learn to speak. So why would we do the same thing in music? So we should be making music first and then learning to read after. I think that's one of the best <laughs> best answers to that question I've ever had. And if we could only communicate that with our parents better, I think a lot of music teachers and subsequently their students would be much better off. So, Paul, thank you so much for that answer. Now, what is it that you're doing differently? You've mentioned a couple of things like making music fun by making it a lifelong thing or trying to get them into their adult years as opposed to just something they do as their kids to keep them entertained. What are you doing differently at Forte that gives you that wow factor? It's the process that we use, which is called whole body learning. And whole body learning is based on ORF, Delcro's and Kadai principles and also using technology. And so what's really exciting is that we now know that all those strategies and those uh, ORF, Delcro's and Kadai, those educators were alive 100 years ago. They really knew what they were doing, but now we have the neuroscience that proves what we do actually works. And I was part of a PhD study with Dr. Robin Staveley from the University of Sydney um, on embedded cognition and neuroscience in music pedagogy. Now, it sounds very complicated, but what I was really excited to discover was that all of the strategies that we use in whole body learning tick the boxes for neural um, enhanced neural engagement, which helps students' brains learn faster and more effectively because the information is put in the right place in the brain. So that retrieval mechanism to be able to remember how to play is built up in a different way to a traditional learning experience. Now, we know, and I'm sure you have had elderly parents or elderly friends who they if you play a piece of music it instantly comes back to their memory and uh, and they can sing it we know that old people who have dementia will sing songs from their childhood 
week uh, just from, from hearing them. So the music is really, really critical to memory. And to get it in the right place, we need to use uh, multisensory and multimodal strategies. So multisensory is obviously using our senses, so seeing and listening and moving. Not We don't do taste <laughs> so much with, uh, in music. Obviously, if you were a, a chef, that would be a critical sense for you. But for in music, we use um, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. And then multimodal. So if you're sitting in the one place in a lesson, that is not great for learning. Kids need to move. So you need to have different stations in your studio. So you might have, you might be down on the floor. Um, you might be doing some percussion instruments. You might be standing up and moving. And one place might be sitting down, reading the music. So those multimodal areas are really important. And then, of course, the, the third one is music. So we call it the three M's of learning. So multisensory, multimodal, and music. Wow, there's so much going on in there. And it's just so much deeper beyond what the average music teacher does in a lesson, at least within you know the contemporary guitar kind of teaching how I was told to teach people when I went for my first teaching job and what I experienced in my lesson was what song do you want to learn? How do we teach you the song? And uh, maybe you've got an exam coming up, so we better prepare a few things for that. So that's what I think most people's teaching experience is. It's an absolute world of difference to what you guys are doing. And how do you sort of come across this whole body learning approach and then sort of put your own spin on it and adapt it to what you're doing at Forte? This approach uh, can be used with any piece of music. It's about how you approach the music. So from guitar perspective, it would be looking at the piece of music. The first thing you need to have is a recording. So you need to have something to listen to. So that might be you as a teacher playing um, for the student. Um, I prefer to have a backing track because uh, that allows me to be able to play along with the student. So we have a, the, the sound of the music, and then we want to have a listening with purpose activity. So in that listening with purpose activity, you're going to move, sing, play, uh, play percussion, could be any number of things that you might do, but it has to be specific around the piece of music. So there has to be some learning outcome from that listening with purpose activity. So it might be a rhythm pattern. It might be a melodic contour. It might be a harmony or the chords. There's many things it could be. So you need to pick that from the piece of music and you'll do something with that. So, for example, maybe it's a, um, a percussion, uh, a rhythm, and you put it on percussion and uh, play the per percussion instrument along with the track. Then you might put that rhythm into um, your playing. So, you use a little chunk so that rhythm pattern might appear several times in the piece of music. So, we, it's called chunking down. So... You take a little piece, you perfect that little piece, but then you put it back in the whole. So it's whole part whole. So you start with the whole thing. So there's an understanding of the complete picture of the music. 
you find a piece, a chunk that you're working on, and then you put that back into the hole where you're listening and participating with the music. Amazing stuff. And I, I could talk to you for, I'm sure, days and days about this awesome stuff. But where can our listeners who want to find out a little bit more about this approach, do they just uh, look you up on Piano Teaching Success? Is this where they can find out a bit more about whole body learning? Yes, we've actually got a course coming up for instrumental and piano teachers. So um, I'm actually doing a live course this weekend in Sydney. This course is about um, why piano and instrumental teachers using activities like multisensory learning and the neurological impact that that has and uh, so it's a course that we that we have coming up for piano and instrumental teachers Um, and yes of course people can find out even more at piano teaching success so this episode is probably going to come out roughly about the same time you're doing that course so we'll make sure we include all the relevant links and of course when the actual course itself comes out please let us know and we'll uh, make sure we update that with our user base and and make sure we can send them in your direction because for the listeners, I, I can't stress enough witnessing this firsthand uh, in, in a live scenario at a workshop. It was absolutely amazing and it was such a, a new perspective and stuff that you may have read about or heard about or even chanced upon in your own teaching and gone, oh, that worked a lot better than normal. What did I do differently? And then kind of forgotten about it. But if you can actively use this full body approach in your lesson, everything from just having your students clap along to a rhythm or hum along or sing it, it is way, way, way more powerful because it just engages so much uh, connections in their brain. Uh, and it's not just the pick up your instrument and play it. They're thinking about it actively. They're listening to it. They're copying rhythms. And it is just so much more powerful than your standard approach to teaching. So definitely visit uh, Paul's Piano Teaching Success page and, and get in the loop with that full body stuff. Now, Paul, you have also taken Forte beyond just working for yourself and you've got a, a number of different licensees all around Australia and New Zealand. And as you mentioned before, there's a few in the United Kingdom and even South Africa. So you're helping teachers all around the world deliver your method and, and reach a greater number of students. So how did you first go about expanding your operation to include licensees? I suppose the first thing was teacher training and developing a system to be able to help our teachers and support them because our teachers are are our most important people and they're the ones that um, are earning the income for us and so we needed to support them and help them learn how to teach better and teach more effectively so that they were able to hold on to their students and and uh, keep their own income. So it starts with teacher training and that that and having a system. And you know, it's not like McDonald's where every burger has to be the same. We're teaching children. You know, every child is different and every child is unique, or adults as well. You know, everyone is a unique individual. So it's creating an individual learning strategy for every single student. So part of that is having a really strong curriculum as well and then having the support materials uh, and access to support materials to help people, help teachers support their students. And then the second part of it is actually having good business skills 
business skills are critical to run any business, including a music school or a music studio. Or even a uh, solo performing career. And most self-employed musicians don't realize they're actually business people or entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Uh, in our um, group piano, we talk about three things. The success is we have the three M's of, of um, group piano studios. The first one is methodology and having a good methodology. And so, of course, um, we have whole body learning. The second one is marketing because we're teaching group piano. It doesn't matter whether you're teaching group or individual you still need to market. And the more, the more effective you are at marketing, the more students you're going to have. That's a reality. And the third one is mindset. So you've got to believe that you can do it. And mindset is absolutely critical uh, for your success. And just on the topic of mindset, it's something that you know, I'm really passionate about and, and is a big reason for all the wonderful things that I've, I've ever done coming to fruition, a lot of people are really skeptical of this mindset kind of thing. So what would be your approach to getting potentially some of your own clients or people who are new to goal setting, mindset training, success principles into an awareness of what it is and how to implement it into their routine or life or into their being? <laughs> That's a big question. <laughs> Um, well, there's some, you know, the, the, the touch phrases of, you know, if, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Um, it always comes to mind and we know that, you know, if you're going to do a, a, an exam, it really is up to you. Um, I did a grade eight singing exam, classical singing a couple of years ago and I, got an A for it and I was really working hard to get that, to achieve that. And that was my own personal goal to do that. And I think you can see that with anyone. If they want to do something, then they're going to be successful to do it. So it's really up to, up to you and there are no shortcuts. You've just got to believe in yourself. And how do you, if you do, transfer these success principles into your students, into some younger learners? Oh, again, that's a, a great question. I'm not sure I have, I, I have the perfect answer for you because we have so many different styles of students. Um, I'm amazed at the, the kids, these kids that I was teaching again last night. Now, they've all got up to grade eight piano, which is a fairly high level and they all have different personalities. You know, some are very confident, some aren't as confident. And I know one girl, she does lack confidence, but in some areas, but doesn't in other areas. And, you know, even last week, she said at our lesson, I feel like I'm the dumbest person in this class. She said, But when I go to school, I'm like the smartest person. And so you sort of wonder, well, but it's really good that she's saying that <laughs> it's for school, but she's actually not the dumbest. It's just, you know, it's just everyone has to learn. I think the thing about it, it is if you know yourself and that you are able to uh, never stop learning, I would say, and that's one of the, the critical things, I believe. 
Very, very important words there. Thank you so much for, I know I threw you on the spot with that one there, Paul, but I think an important question that I wanted to know the answer to, and a lot of our listeners and teachers can can or should really become aware of is, yeah, the different personalities of your students and what they have, but how you can best help that student succeed. And I think at the end of the day as teachers, you know, one of our jobs or the ways we can measure what we can do is, did I give this student everything that they needed in order to succeed? And some students are going to pick it up and, and just confidently play through things or have that belief in themselves. Other students, the only time that they get any praise for the week might be that that guitar lesson or piano lesson with you and you're very happy with it, with where they're at, but they're so used to getting negative criticism or feedback that they don't even believe you that it's good sometimes. So I think it's important to reflect upon the impact we can have on our students and and what additional things we can do to make each person's journey that more successful. Absolutely. And I think um, your own professional development really helps in that as well. Understand what it's like to be a learner. Understand how challenging it is to go and learn new things. I went to the Delcro Summer School in Melbourne this year in January and I was doing stuff that I'm going, holy crap, this is so hard. <laughs> I, was, I felt like I was the dumbest person in the room. But I really loved being that person and learning and really enjoyed the learning experience. So, if you don't go out and learn what it's like to be a learner by doing more professional development and learning things that you don't know, then how are you going to help your students who probably feel the same way when they come to your lessons? They feel like, I don't understand how to do this. I don't know what to do. And so, you're able to support them from your own experience. And you have a great point about ongoing professional development. It's one of the best things you can ever do is never stop learning, as you said, and Put yourself back in the shoes of a beginner once again. We've got this great exercise for guitar teachers. If you're ever struggling to remember what it was like to be a beginner, just grab a left-handed guitar and try and do the guitar lesson 101 with the opposite hand and you'll be amazed at how difficult it is and how your fingers just do not want to cooperate with what you're trying to get them to do, even though all the knowledge is there. And that's what it's like being a, a teacher. The student doesn't have that foundation of knowledge and know what to do and have their hands unresponsive. They're totally in the dark. So sometimes it's good to go back and remember what it's like being a beginner. Have a teacher looming over you, putting all that pressure on you and making you <laughs> stuff up and play mistakes and things like that. Realize that's the effect you have on people. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've heard you mention a couple of times uh, group lessons. Now, anyone who's listening to the podcast knows that I'm a big proponent of group lessons, but it seems like that's the model that you do at Forte and that you're encouraging all of your clients and, and trainees to, to employ. We do group and individual lessons, but uh, we do teach group piano and it's our, our foundation courses at Forte and the majority of our students are group piano students. And over the last 29 years, we've seen the growth of group lessons. And when we started, everyone used to think, oh, group lessons are terrible. And there are different sorts of group lessons, especially with piano. Um, we see kids on with headphones having um, you know, six or eight kids in a class with headphones and the teacher running around to each student, which is like five or six individual lessons. So the kids get five, maybe three or four minutes each, five minutes each um, per lesson. Group lessons are really 
if you're going to teach group lessons, they need to be a musical response and the children need to work together. And that's when it's a great group lesson. So, for example, in piano, it's singing together, playing together, moving together. Same thing in guitar, singing together, playing together, moving together. And I suppose the, the biggest challenge for a guitar teacher is trying to keep the, all those instruments in tune. <laughs> we have an advantage at piano. 100%, yep. <laughs> I was just going to say the big focus, it's obviously the start of the school year here in Australia and we've got a big flood of new students coming in. The first three weeks, the first five minutes of every lesson is, guys, we're going to teach you how to tune up your own guitars. And that way when you get here early, as soon as you get in the waiting room, grab your guitar out, get it tuned up. And yeah, if you're doing groups of like six to 12 kids, you just can't, uh, can't take the time to individually tune every single guitar. Yeah, exactly. But I'll, I'll pass it back to you there, Paul. You were going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say that that opportunity, um, it's a great opportunity for learning for the kids as well. And we find that um, parents often to start with, they are nervous about group lessons. And then as the children love coming i had one boy this week who is a different class i think he's, he's working on his grade six he's um his mum said oh he his band master at school wants him to be at band at band lessons and he wants to come to his grade uh, grade, grade seven actually piano lesson and he said oh, i just love coming to to piano to group piano lessons because he's with their friends and they are learning together. And I think that's one of the real advantages that they, they build relationships. One of the challenges with group lessons is always um, when you have different levels in the class. And that way, that's, that is the biggest, biggest challenge, I think, for teachers when you have multiple levels in the class. And that's why you need to have lots of group classes because you need to move those kids ahead and you need to stream your classes into abilities. And w what I found with my classes, having taught like this for so many years, is there'll be often one child who's the best kid in the class and they love being the best kid in the class. And then you move them to a, a, a more advanced class, it allows another ch child to blossom to be that best kid. And so it really... It really is great for kids to uh, have the opportunity to to grow, and I've also found that kids maybe uh, saying I'm using piano levels here just uh, because it's easier. But um, you know, a, a, a perfect example of a kid who's now in uh, my grade seven class. Back at grade one, she wasn't one of the talented kids in the class. She just went to grade two and then, but I'd taken some other kids out of that class into the, and put them in a grade three class. Well, during the, her time in grade two, she improved enormously. So then she skipped grade three and went to grade four. So she's now probably the best kid in the grade seven class, but back in grade one, she wasn't. And it's about how you develop those children's uh, skills over the time and you let them flourish at the rate that they need to flourish. Yeah, that's a really important point. And I think a lot of teachers are rushing kids to a uh, result and sometimes 
placing the weight on how good or bad someone is by how fast they can get to a deadline. But it obviously goes beyond that to say, hey, as long as we stick with it long enough, we're going to get there. What do I need to do to keep you in this program or keep you learning long enough to get to, get to the destination? And we all, some people like the fast lane, some people like the scenic route. Uh, there's no right or wrong as long as we're having fun along the way. How do you sort of overcome the objections, assuming you would still get them every now and then to the, the group lesson programs? Is there something our teachers can learn or, or do better to, to not put group lessons on a pedestal, but to get them seen as a, a, an equally valuable, if not more valuable program to go into? It's about sharing the benefits of group lessons and giving people an experience. That's all you can really do. And um, I would get some testimonials from other parents. I have a number of videos of parents talking about their child's experience. Get them, interview parents, ask them what they think, and then share that information. Not put it in their faces, but, but also but send, set up a nurture sequence for the, the parents. Tell them how to help their kids be successful in that group lesson and explain they don't do group lessons at school. Um, oh, sorry, they, they, they do do group lessons at school as in like when they're learning um, yeah. mathematics. to a group to be precise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. but they've got, they are doing group lessons at school and they don't get in, uh, as much individual help at school, but they still survive and, and they thrive often. And so it's about learning together actually helps and they learn from each other. And that's one of the critical things about um, whole body learning is that the student is actually learning effectively by seeing other people do the same thing because that really helps the learning process. Yeah, and I think being part of the group is so essential, but it is that, that whole experience. There's so many things you can do in a group lesson that you can't do in a private lesson, but there's nothing you can do in a private lesson that you can't really do in a group lesson apart from give you 100% of the attention the whole whole time. And for many people, that's actually terrifying. Well, the other thing is that um, in my classes, when students are uh, the most successful, they're celebrated by becoming the assistant teacher or sometimes uh, I often call it the policeman. <laughs> you <laughs> the policeman. Can I be the policeman? <laughs> so they have to go around and help the other students plot, learn it, learn it. And so that reinforces the learning for that student as well. And uh, if you want to learn anything, just teach it. <laughs> so um, that's a great opportunity for learning. But also it helps kids in other areas of their school life. You know, they work in groups and they take the lead in groups and things like that. I had one parent of this child who was so shy when he was five or six. He's now 15 or 16. He towers over me these days. Um, and his parents um, said they couldn't believe this This shy child is the, the most confident in groups at school, and that's because of his music training in class. Yeah, and that goes back to we don't even realise the impact we can have on our students as music teachers, and we really do serve the, the whole community. And to have someone 
as you've said, go from not the best person in the class to, to blossoming a little bit later on and having an impact in so many other areas of their lives is something we can really uh, do well to not under, underlook, overlook. Exactly. Now, Paul, I'm aware of time. I know you've got somewhere to be after this, so I didn't want to hold you too much longer. But on the potential business side of things, you did mention a little while earlier in this podcast about the importance of business and I think you said your three M's and things like that. But for someone who's coached numerous piano teachers, I'm sure piano teacher success covers curriculum and teaching skills. It probably also covers some business skills and things like that. What are three things the average music teacher can do to improve in their teaching and or business knowledge and, and do better at what they're doing? Personal development and professional development and personal development and professional development and personal development and professional development. <laughs> they're my three things. Um, I think it's so critical to be able to self-assess and to doing that professional development and personal development, those things are going to stretch you, I hope. And they certainly stretch me and put me out of my comfort zone. And getting out of your comfort zone helps make a change. And so, that professional development and personal development is really going to help you be more successful. And don't stop learning. Couldn't agree more. Now, Paul, you've been in the game for quite a long time, as you mentioned a little bit earlier. What are some mistakes you've made along the way that a couple that you never, ever do again, but others that were really great learning opportunities despite potentially being devastating at the time? <laughs> uh, you've got two ears and one mouth. Use them in that <laughs> percentage. Um, I think not listening and trying to railroad people into doing things and learning a really great ex uh, tragic experience but uh, learning um, to listen to people has been one of the most important things and as a young person or younger person um, I would sort of railroad and I think you, know, you can get people offside very easily and you're not meaning to, but you're not listening to that, their experience or their, their, how they feel and taking into account how they feel. So that's a really, been a really critical learning part in my life. Fantastic little answer there. And I'm sure we've all had those experiences where we really put our foot in it, wish we could go back and change things. But having that self-awareness to, to not do it in the first place unwillingly or unknowingly is a uh, very important lesson. Now, Paul, do you have any, uh, you obviously mentioned a workshop you're doing in the next week or two. Do you have any other uh, programs or projects you've got coming out very soon? Well, as I said before, I've got this workshop coming up starting on the 11th of March. Um, it's why piano and instrumental teaching with ORF has neurological impact. And I'm very excited to be working with Dr. Robin Staveley, who um, did her PhD in embodied cognition and music pedagogy. And it's about why you would use all this multi-sensory, multimodal approach and what happens in the brain. And that is a really critical element. So we'll definitely post the links uh, 
to where we can check that one out for all our listeners at home because and guys i couldn't stress enough go check out paul's stuff whether it's online if you get the chance to do it in person even better because um, it's totally mind-blowing stuff and it will have a huge impact on your students and the way that you run things but paul if you could pass one last bit of wisdom on and i'll admit right now this has been the hardest interview i've ever done because everything you say sparks so many ideas for me to be able to stay focused on asking you the questions and not zone out thinking about all the cool stuff i'm going to do after chatting to you uh, that's literally what it's been like for me but if you could impart one final piece of wisdom on our listeners who are primarily guitar teachers and music school music studio business owners what would that be keep learning that's um it keeps your brain young and uh, i never intend to stop learning fantastic so paul where can our listeners find you online and on social media find me on you can uh, stalk me on facebook just search paul myatt you'll find me or on instagram and at pianoteachingsuccess.com fantastic so paul on behalf of the top music community and our guitar teachers especially thank you so much for your time this morning um, really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wealth of knowledge and hopefully we'll get you on an episode sometime soon to discuss more future projects and and give you some feedback on some of our listeners and, and the cool stuff that they've uh, been inspired to do after hearing your talk today thanks michael no worries until next time and guys thank you so much for tuning in we'll see you on the next episode of the top music guitar teaching podcast have a good one If you enjoy this show and want to hear more of our work, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. For links and resources mentioned in this episode, including a free ebook on how to find more guitar students, visit us at www.topmusic.co slash guitar or check out the show notes. And lastly, thanks again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.